Welcome to Real Marketers, where we hear from marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, obsess about driving results, and are filled to the brim with crazy ideas and the guts to implement them. This is not a fireside chat, and there's absolutely no bullshit allowed here. And I'm your host, Stephanie Cox. I have more than 15 years of marketing experience, and I've pretty much done about everything in my career. I believe speed is better than perfection. I use the Oxford comma. I love Coca-Cola, have exceptionally high standards, and surround myself with people who get shit done. On this show, my guests and I will push boundaries and share the real truths about marketing and empower you to become a real marketer. Content marketing, we all know how important it is. And we know one of the limiting factors is how many people you have on your team. There's only so much content a small team can produce and even a large team, right? An individual can only write so much content each week. So what do you do when you want to drive more organic traffic through content and you're a team with limited resources? That's where this idea of a guest blog program comes in. And today's guest has driven like remarkable results with what they've done with guest blogging. In fact, they've actually had months where they've had over 90 guest blogs posted in a single month. That's 90 blog posts that weren't created by anyone on their team. So we're going to talk all about how she did it. So in this episode, we're chatting with Rebecca Reynoso, guest pro guest post program manager at G2. She has more than five years of content marketing experience and has driven a steady track of over a half million website sessions with 80% of that coming from organic. We're talking about the value of the guest blog program, how to get writers to actually participate in it, the importance of consistency in your marketing efforts with content, the best times to publish your content, and so much more. So first question, tell me something about yourself that few people know. So uh, this is always a fun one for me. So something that few people know, unless they know me personally or have known me growing up, is that I am half Mexican. You know, visually, I don't uh, give off any, you know, uh, you know, I don't have dark hair, dark eyes. But yeah, my dad is from Mexico, uh, uh, born and raised there. And I'm half Mexican. I am not uh, fluent in Spanish, but I can read. And uh, when I hear it spoken, I can understand a lot. But when it comes to talking, I just kind of freeze up. So, yeah. Perfect. I am, I will tell you, quasi good at Spanish. Um, I tend to, I took Spanish for a long time. And but, you know, it's been it's been a few years now since I've really used it. And so what I find myself is, you know, when I have to think about it, it's a little bit rusty. But if you give me like two glasses of wine, I just totally different scenario. So yeah, definitely can have some like confidence there, you know, Exactly. You just don't think about it as much. Um, but what we're here to talk about today is really all the things that you've been able to do and, you know, at G2. And I'm really excited to talk about the guest post program that you created and were able to grow tremendously. So can you talk to me a little bit about why guest posting you felt like was it is a good idea for businesses to consider as part of their content marketing strategy? Yeah, definitely. So our guest post program has gone through a couple of iterations. 
you know, with full disclosure, I didn't create it, but I did uh, spearhead what it is today. And I can definitely talk about that in a little bit more detail. But um, it's really great for content marketing teams, whether it's a small or a larger content marketing team, because it gives you the ability to you know, have more content created that isn't basically weighing on the shoulders of your in-house content team. There are some content teams that are really small, might just be one or two writers, and they might not be able to produce as much content that, you know, a larger team would be able to do. So uh, using guest posting as a way to kind of get more content produced is definitely something valuable for, you know, basically you're going to be able to get more content produced under whatever guidelines and standards that you're using, you know, from a larger group of people that aren't your in-house content team. So when you think about starting a program like this, um, or maybe like taking over the reins, how do you really find people to write content for you? Because I think we've all probably been in the situation where like, I get emails, like I swear every single day, that's like, I'd like to write a post for you. And um, by someone that I've never heard of, that is clearly sending the same email to probably like 100 people at three o'clock in the morning. So how do you create a program that people actually want to submit content to and you're getting the quality of content that you want for your site and your brand? Yeah, that's a good question. So earlier on, back when we were still like uh, sourcing more people, you know, still kind of growing it, I would say, you know, early to mid 2019, you know, something that I would do personally is I would post to my LinkedIn, kind of like recruiting people saying like, hey, if you're interested in writing, reach out, blah, 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 blah. And after, you know, maybe like two or three months of, you know, semi-regular posting, like, you know, kind of encouraging people if they were an expert in their field to reach out and stuff, everything blew up. And that's when we created the landing page for our guidelines, which on that page, it basically, you know, lays out every small to large requirement that we have. So kind of like the content that we accept, um, word counts, any type of like G2 specific things that we require. And for that, we're able to kind of like be discerning about who actually writes for us uh, in the sense that, you know, I still get those pitches all the time where it's like, you can tell it's a canned email. They just like swap out the website name, like, Hey, I want to write for, you know, insert website name here. Um, but the ones that actually take the time to read our guidelines, which are super easily accessible on our, you know, learning hub blog page, they take the time and they send a really well-crafted email with all of the things like on that landing page, it literally tells you like, hey, I need these five things from you in your pitch, send that over. And that's how I know that somebody's really serious about writing for us and not just somebody, you know, whether it's somebody who has too much time on their hands or somebody who, um, whose intentions aren't uh, quite, you know, honest or quote unquote pure, I guess you'd say trying to get some links for, you know, some weird website, like I've gotten a lot of pitches for like casino websites and gambling websites. So yeah, well, when somebody actually like reads through the guidelines and adheres to, you know, the couple of small things that we ask for them when they're submitting a pitch, I think that's how we're able to get like such quality writers for the blog. So now that you've been through the process of getting this all set up and out and running and getting the quality writers that you want, what are like a couple things that you wish you would have known at the beginning of the process or as you were working to really scale this initiative? What's some things that, you know, only only the going through it part can teach you that maybe you can share for the for our audience? 
Yeah. So, you know, earlier on in 2019, uh, we had like, you know, I was kind of more just pulled on to the, you know, you edit and get them uh, ready for publishing part rather than all of the like communication and coordination and stuff that I do now. But, you know, at that point, our metrics were a lot different. We had, you know, we had different content management and, uh, you know, with previous content management, the idea or goal was publish as many guest posts as possible. So it was all like a quantity game. And, you know, just like we had, um, we had an intern who helped with uh, some of the editing, like I'd say maybe about like 20, 30% of the editing that by October, 2019, we ended up publishing 98 guest posts that month, which if you it's think crazy. about, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you just think about like a regular in-house content team, unless you're like some, you know, gigantic enterprise company with like multiple content teams or something like that, that's nuts, especially for like a startup sized company. And that was just guest posts alone. So we were shooting for the wrong thing. Basically, it was all um, a volume game rather than a quality game. And, you know, it didn't pan out well. Granted, I wasn't able to make those, you know, higher level decisions at that time, but like, it just didn't work out well. We had a lot of low quality writing that, you know, at this point, especially if they were, you know, low quality articles with uh, high volume keywords, you know, some of those things are like up to be rewritten now because it's been more than 12 months. But, you know, at the time, we just kind of like ate up really valuable keywords that could have been saved for somebody you know had more expertise you know, better quality writers instead of just kind of like yeah we'll, we'll give it to you because you're able to produce a piece of content really quickly so thinking about you know how you coordinate all this communication do you do any i mean obviously there's the stuff that comes in but do you guys also reach out to people that you'd like to see right as well or is that is it or been more relying on people just to kind of come into the process so we have, and this isn't an initiative I undertake, we actually have a link building manager who he coordinates. We have a couple of uh, in-house writers who their only job is to write external guest posts and they coordinate like relationships with companies. So where they might be able to source a guest post, you know, for G2 to write for another company. Uh, typically it's half and half. Sometimes they'll just write a one-off guest post and, you know, that's the end of it. And other times the company they're communicating with is interested in writing for us as well. At that point, you know, my colleagues will get me involved with the process and be like, hey, we've sourced this guest post or this guest poster rather who wants to write for G2. But in terms of like, am I sending emails to people asking them to write for us? No, we have such like even with everything scaled back, even with the, you know, extremely high standards, we have such high volume of people reaching out, wanting to write for us that there is absolutely no need and no time really to, you know, reach out to people like, and if I'm thinking about it, like just from a personal perspective, there's nobody like on my radar where it's like, I need this person to write for us because I've had so many wonderful, super highly skilled people just reach out on their own that it's not like we're starving for any like one big name person to write for G2. So when you're thinking about the impact this program has had, can you talk to me a little bit about like, so what are some of the numbers that you've seen of what type of volume of traffic this is, this effort and just your content effort in general drive for the website and the impact that has on the business? 
Yeah, so um, it fluctuates month to month, but over the course of the last 12 months, I actually just pulled these numbers the other day, we see 550,000 sessions just from guest posts alone in a calendar year, which is you know, really exciting for me. I know a lot of blogs, especially like smaller blogs and stuff might hit, you know, 100, 2000 sessions for their entire blog in a year, but guest posts alone. So if you take that away, you're losing, you know, over 500,000 sessions per year. And it ranges from anywhere from like 40 to 60,000 sessions a month. And this is like, you have to consider like the guest post program hasn't even been a thing for two full years yet. It's coming up to two years in March. You know, that's not even two years down the line. And over the last, you know, calendar year, uh, that's been the, you know, the traffic flow. And it's pretty solid. We can consistently expect, like I said, in the range of forty to 60,000 monthly sessions from guest traffic alone. One of the things I thought was interesting, you just mentioned that the program hasn't been live for two years. And I think one of the things a lot of times that people forget about content, especially related to SEO, is that it takes a while, right? It takes months after you write a piece of content to really start to see good, repeatable traffic from that. So was there ever a time where you're investing so much time and resources into a program like this? And you've had that like, oh, crap, is this going to work moment? Like, how did you know it was going to work? So we have had like a lot of fluctuations, even within the last calendar year, that I would say, I'm trying to think back a couple months ago, I think it was maybe August of 2020. By the end, or like the middle of August, I was, you know, I was really worried because the traffic numbers weren't what I was expecting them to be. They were about uh, 15,000 less for the month at the time that I was anticipating. And, you know, I talked to our uh, data analytics gal and she talked me through the uh, projection process and everything like that. And we projected forward the next like 12 months. And she was just like, you know, let's just monitor it and see if there are any changes. Turns out that, you know, two more weeks passed and then we were on track again. So I think it just depends, like, like you said, you know, traffic's going to fluctuate. It takes a couple of months depending on the topic that you're writing about uh the content that you're publishing and when you're publishing it in the year as well uh for it to rank necessarily and the method that we use for our guest posts like we aren't you know shooting for those super high you know volume super uh high traffic searches keywords you know we have a a standard of that the volume for the keywords for guest posts are a thousand or less per month. Um, reason being, we want those really high volume keywords to stay with our in-house writers. So, you know, when you have something where, you know, a thousand is pretty solid, but it's if you have something that's like maybe 300 a monthly search volume, you know, it's not going to necessarily spike your traffic, you know? It's something that could take some time. And, you know, that definitely happened with us, you know, in the end of last summer. And, you know, it was definitely a worrisome moment, like, okay, like, uh, these numbers are off. And then, you know, just wait a little bit and the numbers are going to change. So I think that's a really interesting point of how you think about segmenting based on search volume, what your in-house team does versus what you have. Um, The guest blog team, guest post team do, what if someone comes in and wants to write something that has more than a thousand 
you know, in search volume, how do you handle those types of situations? So it depends what the topic is, because sometimes like we will have, you know, really niche category needs that our our in-house writers aren't writing on. Like all of the writers that we have at G2 focus on a specific topic area. And under that topic area, they have different keywords that they're assigned to write per month. So like uh, we have an HR persona and a marketing persona. And so those types of topics will stick with our writers. But say somebody comes in, and pitch us something that's pretty high volume within marketing. Uh, that's something that I and the other content leaders discuss to see, hey, is our in-house writer going to be you know, crafting something on this topic? If it's a yes, you know, I find a new keyword for our guest writer to uh, write on, something that's kind of parallel to whatever they pitched originally. And if it's a no, then it's free for them to use. So basically, it's just a lot of like confirming with you know our in-house writers, that team, their managers, to make sure that this isn't something uh, we want them to write, or it's something that we feel comfortable uh, letting a guest poster write instead. I know one of the things that you mentioned earlier was you know having almost a hundred pieces of guest content created every single month as an example. How do you get through? I know you mentioned you had an intern, but how do you get through editing those? And you know how do you really balance editing for right grammar clarity but then also editing for quality because i mean you could probably spend hours on a single guest post making it better every time so how do you really try and balance that situation yeah so obviously we don't have that kind of volume anymore what i publish in a month is anywhere from 15 to 25 pieces of content so like on average 20 a month which would be five per week which is really doable especially like with all the other things so i edit our in-house content as well but you know the in-house content and the guest content have different standards and tone of voice and stuff like that so there's different i guess different amount of editing that needs to be done for, you know, G2 writers versus non-G2 writers. And I would say for the most part, the quality that comes through is pretty high that it's not something that I have to sit on like to change, to make sure that the language is correct, to make sure that, you know, the grammar is right. You know, obviously there are those discrepancies here and there, but I'd say for the most part, the people that are coming through have a pretty high grasp of like what SEO is, how to write in English, whether or not they're a native speaker. And, you know, where there are more minor changes that I need to make in the overall like text, you know, fixing for punctuation, sometimes spelling, sometimes grammar. Uh, A lot of it is formatting based, I would say. Everybody has their own way that they approach writing a piece of SEO content. And, you know, in like, I'd be happy to show you sometime, but like in our uh, outline brief that I've created, I have like pretty uh, straightforward explanations of like the tone of voice that we use, the formatting that we use, the structure. And sometimes people read through it, send me over something that looks like one of our writers wrote it. Other times it won't be, you know, one like small specific thing that we do at G2 is that all of our headers in our content are uh, sentence case, not title case. And that's definitely, you know, a preference based choice that like some places are definitely going to use title case for all their headers. And like, that's like a minor change, but like, that's a formatting thing. So I'd say like, we've been really fortunate that with these high standards and these, you know, really strict guidelines that the people coming through 
uh, already have that knowledge of like how to write content and what SEO is and how to produce something that, you know, looks like it should live on, you know, a B2B marketing blog. So overall, when you just think about content strategy, what are some of the things that you think are so important that marketers overlook when they're starting to plan out what their content should look like for, let's say the next quarter? I would say consistency and regularity of posting is one of the things that people overlook a lot. I've noticed with smaller blogs, especially they might post maybe one to two pieces of content a month and then kind of like let it sit and, you know, figured like that's sufficient. And, you know, maybe one of those two pieces of content are uh, something kind of, you know, company specific, maybe a promotional for a launch of a product or something like that, but not having like any, regular consistent publishing even if you have a small team like once a week publishing something maybe you could only afford to write a short form blog you know something sub a thousand words that's fine but you need to have some kind of regularity in the frequency that you're publishing that it's not like hey i have this one piece of content and it needs to go live at some point but i don't have any you know set timeline or deadline for myself or when the content needs to go live i think making sure that you have a plan like I, I'm a big planner anyway so this I guess this whole industry and you know managing an editorial calendar is kind of up my alley anyway because I'm a big planner I like to make sure things are planned well in advance and you know you need to do that you can't you know it can't be January and you're trying to figure out what to publish for January you would have needed to figure that out back in November like hey you know when I have people reaching out uh, wanting to publish for us I always schedule their content rather like a month out uh, so like people that are reaching out now, it's, you know, I would say it's like between mid to end January at this, you know, the time that we're chatting that, you know, I'm not scheduling anything to, you know, be published on our site until mid to late February. So it's not something that, you know, I'm going to let sit in the queue and publish in June, like, oh, let me, you know, get around to it. But it's also not something I'm going to turn around next week either. So basically just having a consistent schedule, planning things out in advance and making sure that you publish, I would say the best frequency, even for a small team is once per week at minimum. And do you think about consistency in terms of the day of the week or just once a week and more frequency and consistency in terms of you know, a weekly thing versus like do it on, if you're going to do it, do it on Mondays and always do it on Mondays. Anything around time of the week? I used to feel more strongly about this than I do now. And reason being, sometimes I will publish uh, all of the week's content on a Thursday or a Friday. And, you know, previously I used to be like really against that. And the reason I changed is because I realized that even if I'm publishing something on a Friday, you know, you might have some people on the weekend take a look at it. And when you come back on Monday, you're going to promote it on your social media. So you already have like, you know, it's not the end of the world. If you publish something on a Friday, you just promote it at the beginning of the next week. I would say day of the week doesn't really matter. But if you want eyes on it during that same week, I'd say publish it no later than Wednesday. Sometimes Thursdays are the new Friday and Fridays are a hit or miss. So your best bet is Monday through Wednesday if you really want eyes on it in the same calendar week. If you don't care about that, you know, publish whenever and just promote at the beginning of the following week. Hopefully this episode has gotten you fired up about the idea of creating a guest blog program because I know that's exactly what happened to me after I talked to Rebecca. All I thought of was, why isn't everyone doing this? 
So I think that's my challenge to you right now is think about whether or not a guest blog program could work for your business. And if so, put in the effort to get one started. What's the worst thing that can happen? You launch it out into the world and only a few people respond and the content's subpar. What have you really lost? Absolutely nothing, but you have a ton to gain. You've been listening to Real Marketers. If you love what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. All of this marketing goodness shouldn't be kept a secret.